Welcome to Season 2 of Voices of Value, a conversation between Peter Kakos and Rick Rushton and their high-achieving guests from professional sport, Olympians, business leaders and ordinary people with value hacks to share through simple life lessons. If you're keen to reach your next level personally and professionally, sit back and join the conversation with your hosts, Rick and Peter. Voices of Value, it's Rick Rushton here with my good friend, co-host and bearded one, Peter Kakos. Pete, welcome. Thanks, Ricky. It's, uh, it's great to be back and it's great to look at, uh, look at the month ahead and, uh, oh, what, and month. what we've got um, in store for our listeners. Elite women in sport. And I think the empowering thing about this is that these are totally different sort of stories. They've all got a common goal. They want excellence. They just don't have a common way of getting there. This particular guest is someone who's moved from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere to pursue her absolute professional sporting ambition. And I know you're going to give our listening audience and our viewing audience on YouTube, make sure you do uh, watch us on YouTube because you'll see an ugly beard, you'll see a very old looking guy to his opposite and you'll see a beautiful guest that <laughs> we've flown in all the way this from... This really is a rose between two thorns It today. is, it There's is. No but uh, <laughs> this particular young lady all the way from Ballina County Mayo in Ireland, and I'm sure that Pete, you'll give our listeners a bit more context on our guest. Yeah, well, we welcome Sarah Rowe and uh, Sarah Republic of Ireland Women's Association Football International, <laughs> as well as um, as well as you know taking part in two other codes of football, Association Football, which is which is a bit like or it is soccer. Yeah, is it soccer and Gaelic football? Soccer and Gaelic football, yep. wow. and uh, and then of course. We've got the uh, a current AFLW for the Collingwood Magpies, Rick. The uh, only side you should want to come to if you're ever coming from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, I'd love to know so. why you make such a decision to leave the other side. But um, but welcome, Sarah Rowe. Yay. Yay. Thank you, Thanks Sarah. For you're me. a um, you're a real celebrity back in Ireland. And uh, stop it, stop <laughs> it. Stop. But um, just just a quick one: How many followers on Instagram at the moment? Um, us Irish are a bit more modest than uh, the Australians, so um, I'm not going to comment on that no, one. No, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> fair to say it's about 30,000 plus, but uh, Which you I can have a few more after, after this today. episode. That's 29,000 more than you and I combined, so that sounds about right. The yeah. math makes total sense. But in all seriousness, the reason why this is an amazing story is because if someone was leaving Ballina, New South Wales, to come to Victoria to pursue something, they get homesick. How does someone come from Ballina, Ireland, County Mayo, Totally different hemisphere, leave family, and you're in a very tight family, clearly. Your dad is someone who's flying out to watch you train, let alone play. I mean, that's a, a gutsy effort itself. What was the driving force behind you saying, I might just jump on a plane, go down to Australia and see if I can pursue this passion for AFL football, which you really only knew about th- thinking it was a scam, wasn't it, when you got the email? Yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose I came out to have a look first, so I got the email, obviously, and I was a bit like... Oh, I've never even heard of this. I've heard of like AFL men's, but I hadn't heard of the women's game. Didn't know it was semi-professional. So I, my dad and I were like, look, we'll go over and we'll see what it's about. And he travels a lot with work. So for him to get on a flight and just go halfway across the world is like not a big deal. And he doesn't make a big deal out of it either. So I had like two weeks break in college at the time when I was studying and football, I had two weeks off from football as well. So I was like, I'll just go over and have a look and see what it's about. And then I came over and Collingwood was the first club that I walked into and like I immediately felt really comfortable and at home there. Um, Maxie actually did an interview with me and they had a presentation up on the board and I was just like, I was blown away 
by this because soccer at home was amateur and so was Gaelic football. So, you know, the level of professionalism really did blow me away. And then I went and saw six other clubs and I was impressed by them all in different ways. And you could feel different things when you walked in. But ultimately, my good feeling and my gut feeling was when I walked into Collingwood. So to leave family and friends behind is like it's only for a short amount of time. Yeah. It's six months really. Um, and I suppose when you're goal driven and you have something that you're so focused on over here, it's not that hard to do. So, and also the lifestyle is lovely out here. So I enjoy it. <laughs> Whether it with goes okay. And when you say Maxie, of course you're talking about Voices of A's very own, Nick Maxwell, culture leadership manager at the Collingwood Football Club, but somebody who tells me that uh, you revered in his absolute uh, culinary abilities to give you the best knocker you've ever had in your life. Is that right? Very good. I didn't really believe it when he said that he could cook. I thought that his wife would cook up a storm <laughs> and then he'd pretend that he did it. So um, I actually saw him in the flesh actually cooking it in front of me. So yeah, best knocky I've ever had. Myself and Ruby Slicer. So we enjoyed that. You've had some, already had some incredible success um, in your first year. And um, let, let's go back. So, so where did the email come from? So so. George Voyage, he is involved with the VFL team over here at men's and he watched the All-Ireland final and Uh he got in contact that way and said, I think the game will really suit you. So it kind of came from that. And then then he got me in contact with the other clubs. And then it was Melbourne first who would contact me. And then once they got in contact, I just think other clubs seemed to hear about it and then Marty Clark messaged me and said Nick Maxwell is um wants your number can yep. he have a look so and so, Marty Clark of course was an expat uh, Irishman who came and played at the highest level in the AFL yeah yeah there's been some tremendous um some Irishmen have joined uh, our great game over here so it was originally going to be for one year wasn't it was that yeah was it one or two yeah it was kind of like I'll go out for a year and see how I do but I I did say to them when I was out here, I was like, if I do well, I'll want to stay. And if I do poorly, I'll be too stubborn to leave. So either way, I was probably going to give it a second year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to win um, the best first year player. Yep. Yeah. For Collingwood in the first year is... Is just tremendous. So, um, so congratulations on that. So, you obviously felt at home as soon as you. Yeah, um, it probably it took me a while at the start. Um, we had a scratch game early on, and that was did okay in that. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting the hang of it. And then went into competitive games and kind of wasn't sure fully what was going on. Like people can explain to you the rules, and you can go through loads of video footage and everything, mm-hmm. but like you have to make the mistake yourself first and then figure it out from there. So I also felt I was getting very caught up in the structure and the game plan. I was like, I'm losing my kind of, you know, my gut, like my ability to, yeah, to read a game, my instinct. So I was like, I'm just going to go back to my instinct and be like, I've played soccer, I've played football, like, you know, see the ball, get the ball, like just not overcomplicate things. And then probably rounds three onwards, I started to see much more of a progression and I was much happier with my performance, but it did take getting them two or three games out of my system. And then I felt more comfortable and got confidence up and things went better. And I think the other thing to add to that, Pete, is that I have it on very good authority from uh, a certain insider at Collingwood, let's just call him Nathan Buckley, that uh, Sarah on her days off would go and train with the boys (laughs) just to try and absolutely cement her understanding of not just the game, but as you you say, you can theorise it, you can watch it on YouTube, you can do all those things, but until you're actually physically, there's no substitute for actually physically being involved in handling the ball and in-game simulation and situations and running and to to play against the boys would have obviously, I think, expedited 
expedited your ability to harness the skills quicker? Yeah, Tarks, do you know Tarks? Tark and Lockyer, yeah. Yep. Tarks and Boydie did a, a lot of work with myself and Sharni last yep. year and like that was invaluable to me. Just in my days off, he just, they both of them just took the time out um, and Blackie as well, they, who works in the club, took the time out to do probably an hour with us and Tarks had that perfect balance between, you know, being able to compliment you and give you confidence, but also be able to tell you like, that's not good enough. And you know, your effort is poor there. So I like my respect for him is beyond words. I was devastated to see him leave the club, to be honest, but, yeah, absolutely. Um, but a great reward for him to go to the AFL AIS Academy program and somebody who deserved that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing is Tark's probably almost substituted for your father. They're telling you to you how it was and giving you real clear feedback and then giving you the inspiration to improve, which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I was delighted for him and it's such a good opportunity for him. It was just such a loss for Collingwood, but I know there'll be other people who come into the club who'll um, do a good job as well, but he really is a a massive loss, but I'm so happy that he's, you know, pursuing something else. And last one before Pete jumps in, can you actually understand Boydie when he speaks? He's got the, over here, sir. (laughs) He's got this real funny voice, hasn't he? Not really, but I could feel him when he was hitting me from behind. (laughs) I was trying to go for a ball. Yeah, he wouldn't go lightly on you, would he? He didn't go light, no. No, which I think is amazing. I'm interested take, taking you back to Ireland and um, and a, as a junior and so forth. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably wondering, you know, where did it all stem from? Was it uh, was it this innate ability for motivation and skill, and or was it something that was a learnt process, you know, along the way? But you obviously had a great upbringing. You were surrounded by, you know, quality sports people. Yes. Yep. Yep. And was that something that you just you just naturally adopted, or was it something you had to? Uh, work on uh, slightly like, uh, gifted or was it something you worked incredibly hard on just to become you know the junior that you were which was incredibly successful I think you you know people at the highest level like you, there's always a bit of ability there 100% but like there's so many people out there that you look at them and you're like you have so much ability but you just didn't put it to practice or you didn't work hard enough and being from the house and the home that I'm from my parents always drove that into me that it was extremely important to work hard and that you'll really get nothing in life without it so that's one thing that I pride myself off and that I know that when I turn up to a football game or whatever it is that I have done everything right in leading up to this point so that gives me huge confidence going into games knowing that um, I've done all the right things so and uh, that's probably where yeah that's where the hard work stems from I think it's from my house and where I grew up. So the yeah. work ethic is ingrained in your DNA you, your grandfather played at a high level won yeah. a championship all Ireland championship so obviously he would have been an inspiration as well. Yeah he was a massive inspiration he always said to me like a good player can kick off both sides and from a young age he would make me kick the ball at my left foot outside <laughs> against the wall. Use both sides of the body, love yeah. it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was always an inspiration to me and our family would be quite a sporting family. But, yes. yeah, I just I just know that you, you see it yourself. If you work, those who work the hardest will probably get the furthest. So, so nothing works unless you do. I love it. Yeah. So 2017 was that All-Ireland final in um, in Dublin at Croke Park. Mm-hmm. Quick one on Croke Park. Is, is, is that just like the MCG? Is it just like the mecca of Gaelic? Is that your, the dream to play on Croke Park like an MCG would be a dream for yeah AFL absolutely it's the dream and every time I play there it's just like an amazing feeling they it holds 80,000 people I think there was 45,000 people at our All-Ireland final which is huge um so Gaelic football at home is the fastest growing women's game in the world so it's really coming on leaps and bounds over the last few years I see where 
AFL is and where football is and they're kind of on the same level. They're growing and their standards are improving. Um, so yeah, it's such a special feeling though, but it's also, it's a different feeling playing out here in say a big, like the Etihad played in last year. It's a different feeling because the crowd is not your home crowd. You don't really know too many people in the crowd. Whereas when you're at home, you nearly, you could nearly know half the stadium. So. <laughs> Second cousin, third cousin, fifth cousin. Yeah. <laughs> but it is most, it is more or less the equivalent to the MCG here. Yeah. 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 And the, the women in, in Gaelic football and, versus the women in, say, AFLW, um, you know, whether it be fitness levels, mindsets, all these types of things, is there any significant differences that you've seen between the two codes? There is... Or the type of athlete? Um, much more like-minded people out here because, you know, it's professional versus amateur again and, you know, you're taught to be a certain way in the club and, like, this is acceptable, this isn't type thing, whereas there's a bit more of a blurred line at home. Um, with your mentality and stuff and you could have girls at this level and some girls at this level you have to be quite patient and bring everyone along with you but out here it's like if you don't do your stuff right you're going to get pulled up by someone in the club so that's the difference I feel with mindset wise and then in terms of ability um, Gaelic footballers would be quite fit um, in general at senior level they'd be very fit because like while it's an amateur sport we still train five to six days a week um, and do very much the same type of training probably lift a bit heavier in the gym and stuff over here and um, it's more like you know agile quick turns and stuff like that because once you get the ball you have to turn and keep going yeah so sometimes I have a habit of doing that when I'm out here I don't stop and relax I just keep going but you can get caught out that way as well so <laughs> to learn that last year so in terms of the athletes it's it's similar, but just more Gaelic footballers are probably a bit more agile. Yep. And you've got to get up, back, up, back more often than you would. The game able. doesn't stop. Yeah. It just goes for 60 minutes. And like, you know how you do the rotations over here? Yeah. Like you don't rotate just, at home. No. If you get taken off, well, the culture is kind of shifting about getting taken off. If you get taken off, it's to get fresh legs on. But sometimes if you get taken off, it's because you're playing badly yeah, right. more so. So you kind of take offense to it. So when the rotations were happening last year, I was like, why are they rotating me? Like, this is so annoying. <laughs> we're rewarding you with a rest. No, you're not. You're taking me I off. don't want a rest. <laughs> <laughs> what about the physicality of, uh, of the code? Do you, do you love that? You embrace that? It's You've been known as someone who's pretty physical. <sighs> No. No? I would probably dodge physicality at all costs, okay. probably. Yeah, I'd rather be staying on my toes. So that's what I said to myself last year. I was like, there's two things that I can really control here, and it's how fit I am and how strong I am going out here because they're the things that don't take any talent. Mm. I was like, I'm going to have to learn the skills, the game, like loads of other things like that are going to be so new to me, but I can control these two things before I go out. So like, I'll get myself to a place that I'm so fit that if they if there is a lot of physicality, I can try stay on my toes and try get as up and down the ground as quick as possible. So that was one thing that I, um, I suppose, identified as my strength going into last season and this season. Um, and I felt that way I didn't take as many hits. But I then there was one or two games where I like, you know, it was hard getting into games. I was playing in a forward position. The ball wasn't coming up too much. I was like, I have to get involved somehow, some way here. So I was going around tackling, not that my tackle technique was that good or anything, but I was throwing my body about the place. And that way I got into it. But again, that took time and that took two or three weeks um, until maybe, yeah, again, the third game. But I got tackled 
badly one day from behind and that's the part that you can never really you prepare ta- yourself tackled for. was it Ta- tackled yeah oh, sorry. I thought you said you got tackled <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so please Pete she's an international guest let's <laughs> not sorry. let's not offend our guests again I mean we said we would never do this in season three but um, <laughs> tackled I heard it clearly keep going so yeah do we need Google Translate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Google Translation. <laughs> so yeah, once I got tackled from behind, I could I, I could kind of expect it then and I knew I had to get rid of the ball quicker. So that ta- taught me a lot about the physicality of the game and prepped me for other scenarios. I love, Rick, the, the fact that Sarah is talking about the strengths and working very much the strengths. I think we were talking about this last year on one of our episodes about um, – um, strengths versus weaknesses and what well maybe we did or didn't speak about this but what typically happens is you've got your strengths and your weaknesses and people work really hard on their weaknesses to get them up as opposed to what about Keep making your strengths, strengths even yeah. stronger yeah we talked about that um, and, and that's clearly what you've done control the controllable you know you can work on these things mm. I can make these things unbelievable mm. and that will uncover and sometimes your weaknesses will just sort of dissolve off because your strengths are so damn strong exactly that you're heading in the right direction it's like someone who's not very good on their non-preferred foot if they prefer c- kicking ability is elite and they've got speed to get themselves back on the, their right side to kick, well, they probably don't have to work so much on their non-preferred if their elite, agile ability to get back onto their preferred kick to get it further down the line. So mm. I think the other thing I loved hearing from, you know, Sarah there is is that it's very clear to her that, you know, she's coming to an organisation where it was very clear what was expected of her. Her values were set, behaviours were expected, and so therefore there's no grey areas. So it was easy for you to fit into the, the culture. And then you bring your gifts and talents, so long as you can fit into the structure of the team and know exactly what's going on there. But I think the, what I love is that fact that in the off-season you're thinking, how can I get better on the game so that I come back and impact more. So if I am stuck in the forward line, the ball doesn't get down there. I know I've got the ability to use my voice or get some physicality going by, you know, running up the ground and tackling and things of that nature. So in terms of 2020, what do you think is going to be if if someone says, yeah, I saw Sarah last year and I've seen her this year, I can automatically see where she's improved. Where do you where, where would you hope to think that people would say, here's where the improvements come from this young lady in the off season? Well, I would like to, I'm probably going to play a different position this year, which I think might suit me a bit better. Um, so I think I'd like to see myself on the ball a bit more and get more touches because I feel like there were some games that I would have came off the ground and been like, oh, there's more in me and I didn't quite show it. So I want to have, be on the ball a bit more and be more involved in the run of play. So that probably will be the biggest thing and um, kicking again, yeah, working on both sides and that's probably the main areas. Mm. Back in in Ireland is, um, I'd I'd love to understand, I'm fascinated by Gaelic football and, and, and and not unlike AFL here, where it's not played throughout the world, and like Gaelic is is, yeah, yeah. is, is purely an Irish football. Is there a lot of pressure on different codes um, over there, or is it is is Gaelic football like AFL football is to a, to a large amount of people here? It's just that's what you do. It's just like that's that's our sport. Yeah, um, and more the passion. more is or it? less it is. Yeah, yep. it's definitely the number one sport in Ireland. Rugby probably second. Um, that's quite big too, but. Gaelic football is like everyone prides themselves off. It's where you come from. Like I play for County Mayo. Like I'll never play for another team. That's the way it is. You're yeah. born and into that yeah, county. That's, that's you've grown up with these girls all your life. You play with them. That's it. You can't go if against you, them. If you move, like some people, there's one. Or, there has been one or two situations where people have moved to other counties and played for other county teams, but it would wouldn't be really 
it'd be kind of frowned upon. But it would, like, you could play for a different club in a different county, but you wouldn't play for a different county. So, yeah, it's the it's that priding yourself off, you know, your, the place you grew up. And yeah. it's really, that's why it's really special, I suppose. So tell us about Australian life and how, you know, how different it is to, you know, the, the previous life you lived. And what's, um, what, what have you loved about Australia and what, um, what do you think you'll miss most when you go back? Well... The weather, probably number one. Um, so I went home for Christmas for two weeks and it was like two degrees. I was like, get me back quick. <laughs> so the weather, probably the brunch, uh, the coffee, they are probably my favorite things to do out here. But yeah, it's just a really nice lifestyle. It's really chilled. Everyone's quite active, you know, wants to be up and about all the time. Whereas I think that's what limits people in Ireland a bit is the weather. Yep. So it's probably the main thing. And so we heard at the very beginning of this, you got a lot of DNA gifts and obviously there's sport in your family bloodlines, but you've got a work ethic that clearly your dad seems to have. I mean, he's traveling from China to Australia to watch you train, play, going back to Ireland to connect with your, your mum, who sounds like an interesting sort of typical mother hen, keeping everything abreast there, making sure yeah, you go be the best you can, but don't forget where home is and don't forget to come on yeah. home. Um, if, if there was one thing that you think you would like to think your parents are saying, this is what we admire most about our daughter, making this leap of faith from, and as I said to, to Pete when we were seeing this up, you know, it cracks me up that AFL footballers talk about, I'm going home next contract because I'm homesick and they've got to jump on a plane and go 40 minutes, you know, one way yeah. and they're already home anyway. But you're leaving a hemisphere to come down under. And it's the other way around too, when Australian soccer players get picked up by UK Premier League teams or anywhere in Europe. Yeah. I mean, they don't get just go, oh, I'm homesick, I might go home and play you know, in Perth because that's me and come back to the A-League. For you to chase this, what do you think your parents, I think I know the answer, but what do you think your parents would be saying that we admire this about, about our amazing daughter? Um, I think they, I don't know, I think they just like the way I kind of upped and went and was just really positive about it from the start. Like my attitude was always good towards it um, and the work ethic I suppose leaving home and family and all that like it's perfect when nothing's going wrong but if some like if a family member got yeah. sick or something like that that's when you're like I'm way too far away from home which happened with your grandfather didn't yeah you? So last season so that was kind of that was a few weeks and I was, dad like, was here wasn't he my dad was here and he was saying I have to go yeah home. so it was like two days it was a day before round one and dad was like out for my first game he was so excited and then he was like I have to go and I was like oh that like that did hit me and I was like I would be very rational about it if I got home I would have been like you know this people get old old age is a part of life this is okay but because I was so far away I was much more irrational about mm. it and um, so that was that, that did take a bit of a hit but um and that's when you kind of realize oh I'm very far away but other than that I'm my other half at home he just was actually laughing at me when I arrived in Ireland because he's like you literally don't get excited about anything or like over dramatize anything until you land on Irish soil like I wouldn't even be saying I'm looking forward to coming home I'd be like I'll, I'll see you in a week I'll yeah. be home or whatever and he'd be like Literally until I arrived on um, in Dublin, I was like, oh, I'm actually so happy that I'm home. He's like, you didn't show that at all the last few weeks. And like that, when I'm here, I'm very much a type of person who lives in the moment. So I'm here. My life is AFLW. My friends are here. 
that's my family now. And then I get home, I switch back into that life. So I just, you live completely separate lives. Wherever you are, be that's, there. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's maturity beyond years. I mean, it's, it's such a, a great message for so many people, isn't it? I mean, it is. And I think Dad gave you the message of, you know, you, you don't regret the things that you do do. Often you regret the things you didn't do. This is something you, you might regret, so let's go do it. And he was so supportive, wasn't he, in terms of getting you on the plane, coming over with you, researching, and then leaving you then to go and do what he does. What an amazing um, mm. figure to have in your life, someone who's getting up Asia time when he's back home in the UK, oh, sorry, in Ireland just to make sure he's still in touch with his business, which operates out of China, doesn't it? And yep. I think he's based in Hong Kong from time to time. Yep. So he's – I'm getting all this from Maxie, so if any of this is wrong, just whack, <laughs> whack him. But um, now to have that, uh, to me, that's just an amazing resource to have. And some people might say there's a, a pushy parent. That's a, that's a parent who's saying, you know, you're here. I'm, I'm going to help you, but I'm going to give you the wings to fly as well and the self-esteem mm. to go chase your passion. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? I think um, – sorry, sorry just to break in there a bit because I, I don't want to sort of gloss over the fact – this. I mean what you've just said is, is absolutely magnificent. It's such a poignant sort of point um, I think when, when people go away. And, and the reason I, I want to harp on this is because there's a lot of Australians that, that go to the UK to work or whatever it is or, mm. or they go away and they feel that they just have to do it but they hate it but, but I just have to do it. I have to get it out of my system. It's like, so then what ends up happening is you don't actually – end up enjoying the moment because you're too busy sort of forcing yourself to do something or you're not enjoying it, whatever it may be. It sounds like... Wherever Sarah is, she's Sarah, there. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever, Wherever I, I lay my hand. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's my home, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It just keeps you in flow. Yeah, I think some people... I speak to my friends a good bit and they see me in Australia travelling they're like, oh, I really want to do this, that. I'm like, just because I did it or someone else did it doesn't mean that you have to do it. The grass is, can be greener yeah, at times. Mm. Unless if you don't go with a good mindset, you're wasting your time time and I think that's really relevant with training as well like some people say oh you might be picked on the team on Saturday and I'm like you know they could say oh you are definite on the team and you'd say that's actually the most dangerous place to be because you can start thinking ahead and thinking about the game on Saturday not train well all week and then the game comes on Saturday and mm. your mindset isn't where it needs to be so that's something I try work on myself as well is actually being present when I'm at training and being like here I am what can I do how can I be better today and then focus on tomorrow getting up and going to the gym the next day and just being present because other than that you, you get 10 steps ahead of yourself. Would this um would, would it help sort of being away from um, distractions I mean is it would there be more distractions back at home or less distractions here with that? Yeah absolutely like as in I got home. Apart from the fact your partner's back at home. Yeah. yeah yeah and he's a sports person as well he yeah, plays rugby right. so um he's very like-minded as well which is you know good that he understands that but my mum say I get home and she'd be like, Can you go to the shop? I can you go to the shop and get me milk? And I'd be like, I have to do training in my head. I'm like, I've planned on going training at ten o'clock till twelve o'clock. You're messing with my routine here. <laughs> don't mess with an athlete's routine. And she's Mom, like typical Irish Irish mother. She's like, Lovey, you're not in your own watch now. You'd want to start getting back into the Irish way. <laughs> <laughs> Special shout out to Sarah's mum who's uh, tuning in here going, what is she doing to me? <laughs> so yeah, you can be much more selfish out here and just like look after yourself, which is re it can be really refreshing and nice. Yeah. And you would have seen that with the professionals. Professional sports people are pretty selfish at the end 100%. of the day because they've, they've, they've got to, to prepare well, process precedes results. So if the process is right in the lead up, the result will take care of itself. Just you said something interesting there, and I, I just want to touch on this one because it's such a rage out here at the moment about 
elite sports people saying, I'm a sports person, I'm not a role model, I don't, you know, how, do, do you feel that? that? Do you feel that you are a role model for not just young women, but young women maybe not just at back home in Ireland or young women here in Australia, but you know, effectively someone who's saying, I want to follow my passion in whatever it may be and I'm watching this young lady doing it and so therefore I'm going to model myself on her. Do you, do you sense that? Do you feel that? Is there any any weight there with that? You Yeah, you get a sense depending on where you are. If you're at, like, say, my club training at home and I meet younger girls, I would love to think that I was a role model for them, that I could help them in some way. Because I do think from probably the ages of, like, maybe 16 to 20, you're trying to figure things out. You can go one way or the other, pick sport or pick social life or whatever you want to pick. So... When I get a sense of that, I would love to have an impact on impact on someone else's life and um, try to guide them as best as possible. But um, I suppose you don't really ever see yourself as that. Mm. Um, and I don't think I really had one when I was growing up. It was kind of off your own bat. But if I could impact anyone's life, I'd love to do it in a positive way well, i'm yeah. pretty sure you are so we've heard at the beginning that you've you, you back up your natural dna and god-given talent with a very high work ethic because what we know is good talent doesn't get everyone over the line at the elite level you're playing they've all got talent to some degree mm-hmm. but it's the work ethic isn't it that's going to separate the absolute achievers from the players mm. potentially in the field your focus is great your absolute being in the moment they're three really good things i'm taking out of this interview thus far pete you're you're from your end Look, I'm just—it's an incredible mindset, and um, I think, with want of a better word, I think I think people in your genre, you know, that 20 to 30 year olds, are, are very much sort of cast a certain way um, uh, in terms of the way they act and the way they, you know, and the way they go about life and so forth. And I think there's there's a lot of anxiety, um, uh, there's a lot of entitlement. Yeah, I was going to say that's um, the word, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that well and truly, but. You know, I just see someone incredibly. I, I, I think Sarah, from what we've seen today and what I've heard, you're an absolute breath of fresh air, and um, in in a mindset. And there is so much, so much that um, that I'm, I'm sure people will get out of, of, of listening to your story and sort of following now. Now they're going to get to to know the the Sarah Rowe and actually continue to sort of follow what your journey is going to be. If we were to you know, transport ourselves sort of five to ten years down the track. What does the Sarah Rowe look like at at thirty years of age, for example? What you know, how would you? How do you see yourself? Or do you actually look that far? Or, or how do you go about? Someone of, actually you know? asked me, Gotchi, you know, if in the club. Yeah, he actually asked me, "What's your five year plan?" I was like, "That's that's a big question." And I showed him my screensaver, which is my five year plan written out, but I don't show anyone it because it's small things I like to take off when I can. It's like. I've written out things that I'm like, these are the areas that I want to excel in, in say education, finance, whatever it is, um, where I want to excel in sport, all that. And it, it's written there. It, do, it doesn't put me under any pressure to achieve any of these things, but it is kind of like a little reminder if, you know, when you wake up in the morning, like if an opportunity comes your way, you take it rather than saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to take it. So like, for instance, life coaching is something I always wanted to study. So I have a life coach at home who I'm going to say she's my sports psychologist, but she's a life coach and she's an amazing woman and she's had a massive impact on, on my life. And I would love to be what she is. Yep. So I, I anyway, came up and Josephine from OMP Sport. 
And, and we thank did. You, yeah. we thank, sorry, you do it. Cause yeah, and I'll <laughs> just say thanks to Josephino Gorman from uh, OMP uh, Sports Management, your managers over here, for um, setting up this um, introduction as well. So and if we, we get uh, this wrong, Josephine's going to be all over us like white <laughs> on rice. So, and uh, I actually think she means it. So I'm, I'm going to be honest, I was a little bit threatened by her. That's She's all I'm straight say. to the point. Watch us see Well, she believes in calling a spade a shovel, and I think she uses it too. So I was uh, very cool on that one. But no, that's a really good point you make. Incredible. Because yeah, yeah. Gotchi's got our late sons. I mean, Seb. Playing BBL at the moment for mm. Melbourne Stars, and um, he's always big on what's your four year, five year, three year, you know, all that sort of stuff. Just ask him, did he ever want to be a power forward? And uh, yeah, yeah, Gotchi's not the tallest, but keep going. Yeah, no, so Josephine just, um, when she said it to me, well, what, what do you want to do in your off time? Like, be productive while you're over here. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And she said, do a course. And I was like, yeah. I just said yeah straight away because I had it written on my phone as something I needed to do yep. at some point. I Like you could have put it off for ages, but once I had that written down, it made me feel like, yeah, take it now and do it. Whereas if I didn't have it written down, I probably would have put it up, put it off another two or three years. So um, Another key takeaway. Things like yeah. that, writing down things. I, I write mm. down things every night before I go to bed. So and you journal. Yeah. yeah, I would. So I'd... I'd tick maybe three boxes and that would be did I eat well sleep well and hydrate my body because again controllables and then I if I had you know maybe a bad training session I might talk about that get it off my system go to sleep because otherwise I wouldn't sleep mm. sometimes sometimes you can't because you're mad at yourself and of course we all have that kind of down days as well but it's good to get it off your chest and be like right okay I can cross that off and move on as well so you can just deal with things as they come Last I've, one for me, yeah. and then I'll let Pete wrap up. Is there somewhere in your journal uh, where you're looking to improve your driving skills? <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to go there? Is that, is that, My is driving skills. Hold, the same thank you, Holden well. Australia, for um, thank you, all Holden you do Australia. for me. <laughs> <laughs> Big plug for but, the fans at Holden. I can't tell the story. Can't drive. Which which car story now? Because there's a few. Well. Oh, no, well, I'll let you, whichever one you feel comfortable sharing, because I, I probably overstepped the mark there a little bit. I might have been giving away where I was getting my intel from there with that question, but... Um, I don't know which one you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah, no, no. Well, let's talk about... No, uh, no, which one would you feel comfortable talking about? I'm just, at the moment, been driving a ute and I can't park it to save my life and it's been very much documented <laughs> by all the players. Talk, talk us through that. You've been working the farms oh. um, in the off-season or...? Never mind the farm. Picking I have, fruit? I bring the ute, the outdoor cinema, and I put a mattress in the back and all the girls watch the movies. That's Seriously? as far as it goes. So a yeah. giving teammate. Yeah. That? That's what she's doing here. She could have had a nice little two-door zippy little thing to get around suburban Melbourne, but no. I tell you what, I, I just, I just thinking ahead sort of a few years now, I think there's going to be a lot of um, young girls um, and guys as well who are going to be lining up for this bit of life coaching because – what oh, I'm hearing is, um, I'm enrolling you know, now. Your, 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 your modesty um, is just is quite mind blowing uh, in terms of what you do. What you've done is, is courageous in every every sense of the word, um, but you've, you're doing it for such such incredibly. Um, you know, integral reasons yeah, as well. Yeah, very authentic, isn't um, it? Just, yeah, very much so. And it's a yeah. shout out to, to, to your folks as well, you know. Yeah, congratulations. Island. And I hope, I hope they're, they're watching this because they, <laughs> um, they should be incredibly proud of, um, 
of you, Sarah, and um, and your grandparents. You know, they started the whole thing. And if you go to if you <laughs> go did. to if, Thanks, you go, if you go to Sarah's <laughs> grandparents' place, they greet you with a gin, and it's all it's very it's, it's it. It's a very welcoming family. With a gin cheapers, I love yeah. that. Being love a non-drinker, I'd probably drink it because I'd be afraid Give to say no. Give me champagne, no. a Christmas gin, whatever you want. Yeah, okay. yeah. We're probably going off the track here. Really athlete <laughs> when we're talking alcohol. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's fantastic. But no, I think Pete summed it up beautifully. You are a credit to your family, and and clearly the gifts you've been given and the upbringing and the opportunities but you're maximizing those too and i think that we should never yep. lose sight of that because you know the gifts that are given upon all of us it's incumbent upon us to you know take that package and re-gift it back and that's what you want to do with your life coaching and i'm with pete i'm enrolling for that so uh is there an advance rate if we get in, is there an early bird rate if we get in early enough like 2020 rate i'll try it works you'll try it works <laughs> um and and i might give you a car to punt around in when you sort of stack the years what, what would be one piece of worldly advice yeah. you know just to, to close on here today because you know we are we love having sports people um on the show um we particularly like great minds overarching you know of what we do you know looking for life hacks things you do um as you know we're we're you know we're in we're in a world now that's um that's bombarded with social media and distractions and you know generations that are coming through with entitlements as as i said um you've maintained an incredible balance throughout your life, it would seem. If you were to give a listening audience or uh, the parents out there or the young people striving to be something or the, the business people, whatever it may be, what would be sort of, you know, you're a life coach now, okay? So what would be what would be some of your key, and don't just limit it to one, by the way, but what would be some of your um, key learnings, key life lessons? Probably one thing is to surround yourself on good people. Like I know myself, I have numerous friends, but you know, there's there's friends who pick me up and there's friends who knock me as well. So they're not technically my friends, but it's to identify that and be able to say, "Mm, they're not bringing out the best of me. Um, So they say that you're like, nearly a combination of the five people that you hang around with the most so I think that's really important to identify when someone maybe isn't the best for you so um, surround yourself in positive people and that's what's great about Collingwood I suppose I always feel like I'm around them people and can always approach people Um, so that's one thing and again I think it's very clear to work hard and to know that everyone's replaceable really at the end of the day and someone else can come along and be better than you what are you going to do to step up again so there's always that and there's always should be that drive for you as a player Um, and also to I suppose as a sports person in a team environment to always see yourself on the same level as everyone else and you know the minute you think you're better than anyone else that's when you'll get a kick in the the teeth (laughs) Tongue twister. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's that's important as well in a team environment. Well, what I've heard there is a great synopsis of why this young lady is doing what she's doing. And if you couldn't find any quality in that particular interview, then we just suggest you unsubscribe now because <laughs> that is as good as it gets. Work ethic takes you a lot longer than just and further than your talent will. Clearly surround yourself with really good like-minded people where you will actually you know, be uh, supported and advanced along. And the minute you think you've made it is probably the moment you're in the comfort zone and you need to get out of it because if you don't, someone's going to come and whack you out of it anyway. 
anyway. So mm-hmm. it's better off if you keep on progressing the way that uh, you know Sarah has done. Sarah, it's been absolutely refreshing. I, like Peter, uh, are so thrilled when we interview elite sports people as we did uh, in Series 2 where we interviewed a young cricketer who was uh, of a very young age but spoke well beyond, wisdom beyond his years, and I sense that with you as well. If you're listening to this and you know there's a young person in your life who needs to hear this interview, please share this link with them and you know, by all means make sure you give us some feedback and rate the content because um, Sarah will demand more of herself than anything we can give her in terms of feedback from this but we are, Pete and I are very keen to make sure that we're bringing to you genuine voices of value that are helping you, your family, your networks, the people you care about the most to be better than you are today than you were yesterday. That's what we want, just a little bit of incremental growth in this year of 2020. We're focusing this whole month on elite women who are empowering. They're empowering women, but not disempowering anyone else. They're just actually helping people get better with life hacks as we've just had so eloquently shared with a beautiful accent, probably the best accent we've interviewed in our three seasons to date. Um, Didn't need Google (laughs) Translation. I didn't think anyway, I'll leave you with the last word, Sarah. On behalf of all of our listeners, thank you. And Pete, I'll leave you yeah. to wrap up. Look, with I was Sarah. just going to say, we'll, we'll have to get down there, Collingwood North AFLW well, game. I was going to see. Did you like the way I didn't ask? Did yeah. you tour AFLW because they weren't even in the game yeah, at that you, stage? Did, so. Just, just so I know, did you tour Arden Street? We played North last weekend in a practice game. Yep. Ah, oh. Melbourne this weekend. We don't play North actually in our oh, conference. You don't? No. Damn it. Thank God. That's okay. So I don't okay. Think, we'll, we'll get down to a game. I don't even think North were in in the league when this young lady went to it. I think that's true. You yep. were late to the party as always, Pete. <laughs> anyway, Sarah, thank you so much. You've given um, ourselves and our listeners um, so much value again. That's what we're all about here on Voices of Value. And uh, on behalf of all of us, good luck with, uh, Go with, with this year. Go good pies. luck with um, and also future endeavours. We'll be well and truly following um, your pathway to even further success. So thank you, Sarah. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. We trust you enjoyed listening to Voices of Value, a shared conversation between Rick Rushton, Peter Kakos, and their valued guests. Their views are not necessarily those of the wider world, but they should be. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your preferred podcast source, and we love to hear both your feedback and ratings on the content we provide. Additional information can be sourced through our website, voicesofvaluepodcast.com Join the conversation again next week when Peter and Rick continue the search for truth, justice and the value added way.